grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. For no authority exists except by God, and the authority that exists have been established by God. Therefore, the one who rebels against the authority is opposing God's institution, and those who oppose will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to evil. Would you like to have no fear of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will receive praise from him because he is God's servant for your benefit. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not carry the sword without reason. He is God's servant, a punisher, to bring wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, because the authorities are God's ministers who are employed to do this very thing. Pay what you owe to all of them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading for this Sunday is found recorded in the gospel of Luke chapter 20 beginning at verse 20. They watched him carefully and sent spies who pretended to be sincere so that they could trap Jesus in something he said and then deliver him up to the power and the authority of the governor. They questioned him, Teacher, we know that you say and teach what is right and show no partiality to anyone, but you teach the way of God on the basis of the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he was aware of their deceit and said to them, Show me a denarius, whose image and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they answered. He said to them, Then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. They were not able to trap him in what he said in the presence of the people. They were amazed at his answer and became silent. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in 2 Samuel. We begin at chapter 11, verse 26. The wife of Uriah the Hittite heard that her husband was dead. So she mourned for her husband. When her mourning was completed, David sent for her and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. She gave birth to a son for him, but what David had done was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came and told him this. There, was, there were two men in a city. One was rich and one poor. The rich man had a large number of flock and herds. The poor man did not 
own anything except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He raised it so that it grew up together with him and his children. It ate from his food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. When a traveler came to the rich man, the rich man was unwilling to take an animal from his flock or from his herd to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. So he took the lamb from the poor man and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David's anger flared up against that man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this is as good as dead. In place of that lamb, he will restore four lambs because he did this and had no pity. Nathan told David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave the house of your master to you, and I gave the wives of your master into your embrace. I gave you the house of Israel and the house of Judah. If this was too little, I would have added even more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife as your own wife. You have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. And so now the sword will not depart from your house forever because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord himself has put away your sin, and you will not die. Nevertheless, because, because by this deed you have treated the Lord with utter contempt, the child that is born to you will surely die. Then Nathan went to his house. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born for David, and the child became sick. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, some would call it a love story. And perhaps it was love at first sight. And how romantic that is. Or, or perhaps it's a love story because of the two were really soulmates. And I'm talking about David and Bathsheba. Oh, I heard a, a gospel singer who left her husband for another woman. This was years ago. And she left her husband for another, or left her husband for another man because she said, well, this was true love. This was my soulmate. And so every time I hear someone speak of their spouse as simply a soulmate, I always think of that. Boy, you could justify anything especially the breaking of the Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery, where God protects marriage and the beautiful gift of sex, which he intended only for the realm of marriage. You could justify breaking that in the name of, yeah, but that person's my soulmate. David and Bathsheba is not a love story. Not at all. In fact, it's the complete opposite of love. And I'm not talking about hate being the opposite of love. Remember, even God says that love hates. It hates what is evil. 
No, the opposite of love is selfishness. The story of David and Bathsheba, a true story, is a story of selfishness. And notice how far selfishness will go in order for one to get his way or her way. Selfishness, by the way, no matter what form it takes, is always sinful. It was springtime and it was the time when the men would go out, the army would march out of the city for battle. This year they were fighting the Ammonites. And David, who oftentimes went with his army, did not go this time. Keep in mind, he was a warring king, an experienced warrior. David was enjoying the evening air, and as we find out from Scripture, he enjoyed more than the weather. He enjoyed a young lady, lady bathing herself as he stood on top of the tower looking down or on top of the palace looking down. He sends his servants to inquire about the woman and the servants came back and said, this is the daughter of Eliam and this is the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of his soldiers. In other words, the servant was basically saying to David, David, she's married. But that didn't stop David. Oh no, he invited her to the palace. And her and Bathsheba enjoyed time together. Until all of a sudden one day, Bathsheba informs David that she is now pregnant with his child. Not her husband. He's been fighting in a battle for the name of his kingdom and behalf of his king. What was David going to do? He broke the sixth commandment. How is he going to hide this? He had a plan, and it sounded like it was a wonderful and great plan. He would have Uriah be a, a messenger in order to inform him on how the battle is going. And the general Joab went along with that. So Uriah the Hittite, the faithful soldier, comes back to tell him how the battle is going. And David said, well, why don't you spend the night and go home with your wife? And therefore, in the morning, I'll send you back. Uriah wouldn't do it. The armies of the Lord are sleeping in tents. They're not able to go home. And as a faithful soldier, there was no way he was going to go home. So he slept at the steps of the palace. Well, how is David going to get people to think that this child was really Uriah if he's not going to go home to her? So on the very next day before sending him back, David actually got him drunk thinking that he would certainly go home. And once again, he slept at the steps of the palace. So David had no choice but to send Uriah the Hittite back to the battle. He wrote a note to Joab the general, which Uriah never opened and looked at. That would be wrong. And in the note, it basically plotted out Uriah's death. He held it in his hand. 
get up close where the battle is fierce and then pull back and Uriah would be exposed and in fact he was shot dead thrown either shot with an arrow or with a spear but he was killed in battle a faithful soldier who took his duties extremely serious and yet a king who was lying and cheating. And this is great David. Yes, it is. A sinful man who by his selfishness did despicable things. Now our text continues. It says, the wife of Uriah the Hittite heard that her husband was dead, so she mourned for her husband. In fact, she mourned for him during the allotted time of mourning. But knowing that God is the one who inspires these very words, we don't take these words very lightly. Notice that he doesn't say Bathsheba heard that her husband was dead, and so she began to mourn. No, this is Uriah the Hittite. Over and over again, throughout this entire section, we constantly hear, not Bathsheba's name, but that she is Uriah, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. After she mourned, David took her to be his wife, and she gave birth to a son to him. And so it looks like David got away with it. If he couldn't pin the son or the birth of the son on Uriah the Hittite, then with Uriah dead and David taking her in as his own wife, then if he did, if she did have a child, no one would be aware of it. He got away with it. He won. He did what he wanted. And what he wanted was this woman, and what he wanted was no one to say anything. But there was one watching. When David thought no one was watching, there was still the Almighty God. The Almighty God who is all-knowing, for he sees everything. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. He knows what is in your heart. We can't read someone else's heart. We struggle to read our own hearts. But God knows our hearts and minds. And therefore, my dear friends, we too, like David, are sinful human beings. Do not think of sin as kind of an oops. Oh, well. Well, what are you going to do? No. Sin is evil. Sin is wrong. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is breaking God's commands of perfect love. And out of perfect love, God intended marriage between one man and one woman committed to live together for life. And therefore what David did, yes, was sinful. And what we do is sinful when we break God's holy commands. As sinners who have not only inherited a sinful nature, but who actually commit sins, we find ourselves having to beg that prayer, Lord, have mercy on me. Yes, a sinner. Now we see the Lord not striking David dead, 
even though you could argue that's probably what he deserved. Instead, the Lord sent the prophet Nathan. And Nathan comes to him with a parable that David thought was a true story. That's how he took it. He told him about two men, one rich and one poor. The rich man, rich man was rich, and you could see that. Look at all the animals and the flocks he had. The poor man was not just simply poor. He was extremely poor. He, he only had one animal, a little ewe lamb, which he bought. Yes, the lamb would be part of his family. This wasn't like some market farm. This became his pet. And, and therefore, the, the lamb ate with him and, and drank from his own cup. And it even slept with him. He considered it a member of the family, like it was his own daughter. So when a traveler comes and, and, and comes to the rich man, the rich man doesn't take from his flock. No, he takes the one little ewe lamb. Yes, he's got plenty of flock. If he misses one, it's probably not a big deal. He won't even miss it. No, but he's going to take from the man who would miss that one little ewe lamb. And when David heard this, Holy Scripture says his nostrils were burning. They must have flared up. He was inflamed with anger because what that man did was despicable and he had no pity. That was part of the worst part of it. And now Nathan comes and says, you're the man. You took another man's wife. Here, you're the filthy rich man. And you go take the wife of another man. And then the Lord responds in a very unique way. And notice the common denominator. It's the letter I. I anointed you king over Israel. I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave the house of your master to you. I gave the wives of your master into your embrace. I gave you the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And if this was too little, I would have added even more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? Why? The word despise literally means to treat someone as worthless. Why? Look at all I have done for you, the blessings that the Lord has showered upon David. And why? Why would he do such a thing? He wasn't just stealing the wife of another, of another man. He wasn't just committing murder, even though he didn't stab with the sword or shoot the arrow or throw the spear. But by what he did, he indirectly had Uriah murdered. That was his plan. That was his selfishness. And the Lord saw it. David replied, I have sinned against the Lord. And then we're told, Nathan announces, you will not die. The Lord himself will put away your sin. One would be tempted to think that because David confessed his sins, now God has to forgive him. But God doesn't owe us anything. 
God doesn't have to forgive us. Let's not think for one minute that just because he's saying, I'm sorry for my sins and admits I have sinned against the Lord, that now God has to forgive him. No, God is forgiving him purely by his grace and mercy. David doesn't deserve this forgiveness. But the very generous Lord, the very compassionate God, the very God who took on human flesh, the very one who gave his life on the cross to pay for our sins, is the very one who is telling David, your sins are taken away. And that's true for all of us. Yes, we are sinful human beings. We deserve the punishment of death, and that means death and hell. But because of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love, which is truly undeserved, God paid for our sins and invites us to believe that through faith in him, we are saved. Even that faith is a gift of God, who we give thanks and praise to. So as we gather together on the eve of celebrating Independence Day, July 4th, the birth of our nation, we certainly think of the words of that in that Declaration of Independence that our Creator has bestowed on us unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I say to you, do we really deserve these? Do we say we have the right to any of these? We have no rights at all. It's by the grace of God that we have any rights. And I'll tell you that what is greater than life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is the greatest liberty of all. And it is a gift that God won for all and has announced to all, and that is the forgiveness of sins. So as you celebrate this Independence Day this day, give thanks to God for blessing us with the United States of America. Pray for our countries and, and those that are leading this country, that they too give glory to God and celebrate the greatest blessing that this nation has, the forgiveness of sins, true liberty for all. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.